Peace, family. Welcome back to the Campaign TV Show. I am your host, Brother King Cam, and welcome back to the show, family. I need everybody that's going to be joining us tonight for my YouTube family. I need you to make sure that you hit that bell so you can stay notified each and every time that we drop a video. Shout out to the Facebook family who's going to be joining us as well. I need you to like, share, comment, drop your thoughts in the comment section so we can get as much engagement in here as possible, family. We appreciate everybody for showing up. And again, welcome to the Campaign TV show where we have real conversations and real discussions, family. So before we get into our show tonight, I know y'all seen the title. We're going to be talking about nation builders, nation time. You understand me? Making sure that we do what we have to do in order to sustain our own and build our own family. We're going to be specifically talking about Black hospitals and medical centers tonight. So if that's something that you're interested in, man, I need you to tag and share with each and everybody, each and every person on your personal feed. But before we get into that, I'm gonna go ahead and drop the intro video. Okay, family? All right. Any leadership that teaches you to depend upon another race is a leadership that will that teaches you to depend upon another race is a leadership that will exist. They gave leadership to our foreparents and that leadership made them slaves. But we have decided to find a leadership of our own. You know. Not your average nigga, I'm a god out the hood. They can't downplay me. I came up, I'm elevated. elevated. I ain't gotta say too much for them to know I'm coming for what's mine. You know they see me in my presence, eh? They see how I'm coming. Young, but you not just gonna finesse me like you did my people's name back when you said they was emancipated. This ain't that. Your head too big. You feeling yourself. The game wasn't fair. You had the advantage. We weren't educated. Ooh. I don't look at you people the same. Nah. Your worst nightmare, my skin tone about them change. Yeah. Not no circus lion, son, son. I can't be tamed. Uh -huh. You gon' have to kill me, pussy. Toby ain't my name. Y'all still Wanna think our history started when we were slaves? Come on now, talk about them pyramids we made. I was chosen by that man, you know y'all just been running game. The nerve you acting like I ain't. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So shout out to everybody that's joining us over from YouTube and shout out to all of the Facebook family. Walaikum Salam family. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Brother Golden Child. That's that record right there. That's that record from Brother Golden Child, man. So make sure y'all tap in with him. So I know y'all see the esteemed panel that I have here joining me tonight. The esteemed panel that I have joining me tonight, family, is going to be very, very uh, knowledgeable, very, very uh, you know, uh, dropping gems and everything because we're going to be discussing, like I said, building black hospitals and medical centers. So I have my dear brother, my dear brother, hailing out of the out, out of the, the great state of New Jersey, you know, the great state of New Jersey doing a beautiful work in the community, helping to uh, bring solutions and peace uh, between the gangs in Newark, New Jersey. I'm talking about none other than my good brother, student minister Abdul Haq Muhammad, who's up there, you know, uh, making sure that we get those conflict resolution centers uh, in our community, stopping the violence and being an excellent representative of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So y'all make sure y'all give it up for my dear brother, <laughs> student minister Abdul Haq Muhammad. Beautiful brother, man. man all oh. praises due to Allah. Thank you so much, Brother Cam. I'm honored to be here. And the solution have already been given, brother. I'm just doing my best to try to implement those solutions that have been given to us by the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and the honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So thank you again for allowing us to be on your platform. Thank you. We greatly yes, appreciate sir. you, my dear brother. And all yes, the great sir. work that you're doing. 
Absolutely, brother. Thank you as well, man. You you're looking sharp too, brother. You're looking man, sharp. I'm just the reflection time. of you, dear brother. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then our other guest, our other guest. Let me make sure I got all my notes here for the, for for this right here. You know, we have we have none other than a great sister who has been doing a heavy work uh, in the city of Chicago. She is currently the urban historic preservationist. <clears throat> business and real estate developer and consultant, global thought leader, crisis manager, entrepreneur, and emotional intelligence coach. She is currently an advisory board member and former business partner of the Minimally Invasive Vascular Centers, where she managed, designed, and developed of a, uh, oh, designed the development of a micro hospital, freestanding surgery center, and medical spa. See, see, I, you, when you when you speaking on a specific topic, family, you want to make sure you bring the experts in. So I had to bring the experts in when we're talking about building hospitals. Right? She has helped to develop a scalable, progressive new business model for vascular outpatient surgical centers. The state-of-the-art facilities she has designed has helped to design have revolutionized the the delivery of sub-surgical specialty vascular services to her community. She has also helped to develop new hospital and surgery center business models. And I speak of none other than the great sister, Wendy Sajda Muhammad. Y'all give her a round of applause as well. Assalamualaikum, yes. dear brothers. Wa alaikum salam, man. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for joining. Yes, thank you for being here. Thank. I know both of you all have very, very busy, tight schedules, so uh, we certainly appreciate y'all for taking some time out to be here with us tonight. Again, family, uh, look, y'all getting a lot of a round of applause in the in the comments section uh, for coming on tonight. So. What we want to do is we want to jump right into it because we're talking about nation building and we see the current state of affairs as it appears in the United States of America. We know that uh, when it comes to uh, black women, uh, black people overall, but particularly black women in the maternal uh, death rates, the hospital is not the safest place to be as a black woman. So what you're seeing is more and more women now opting for home births, right? A lot of uh, more people are opting to give births, um, women to give births in their home. Why? Because it's not safe in the hospital. We know a lot of people go in the hospital, don't come out of the hospital. The different things that the um, doctors and, and, and medical staff are urging on Black women, Black people, uh, different types of medications, different types of of uh, shots and things like that um, that's just not in our best interest so it's very important that we now move to a space where we say we have to start building our own hospitals we know we have to build our own schools we know that's very important to our education but also for our sick people we need to have our own hospital. So I wanted to make sure that we brought that discussion to the forefront tonight uh, with you Sister Sizda I'm going to start with you first um, you know, what have you been seeing as it pertains to the need when it comes to having our black hospitals? How important is that? It's very important for a number of reasons, because 
we have a lot of black doctors and a lot of black healthcare professionals now. And I don't want to send a message that they're bad people. However, they just may be part of a system that is inherently biased against us. And that is administering clinical services based on the rules set forth by insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies and medical device companies. So mm. when you think about that, that gives you a gap between the real clinical analysis and how the services are delivered. And I'll give you a quick example. Um, in some, some cases, I, I won't call out a particular system. Um, if a person has Medicaid and um, without getting too technically clinical, if we're doing a vascular surgery procedure on a person with Medicaid and another one on a person with a platinum Blue Cross Blue Shield plan, then you have three vessels that feed your foot that come down off of your knee. Well, the Medicaid plan may say, well, you just get to fix one vessel. That's all we're paying you for. Wow. Whereas the Blue Cross Blue Shield may say, go ahead, take care of them. Hmm. So and you need those three vessels. Otherwise, you're still probably going to end up amputated. But a lot of us don't know that. And so there's that educational piece. But the real piece is that we need our own hospitals because there is a system that is not designed to actually address your true clinical needs. It's designed to answer to um, insurance companies and things like that. So that that's the biggest overall problem. And then once you start to trickle down from there, you have all kinds of other issues. Mm. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And uh, I'm, I see over, I see in the comments section, that a lot of people are saying our own uh, grocery stores. We need our own, we need our own of a lot of things, right? It's a, it's a lot of things that we, we need our own of everything uh, when you mm. think about it, but there are some things that are foundational that you must have in order to build uh, civilization to build a nation. There's certain things that you must have, you know. So one of those things is land, land acquisition. You must have uh, a, a state or a territory that you can call your own. And then one of the other foundational uh, pillars that you have to have, in my opinion, is a hospital, right? Um, so on that topic today, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it over to you, uh, Student Minister Abdul Haq. Uh, your boots on the ground. What are you seeing as it pertains to a need for a black hospital, specifically in your city and your state? Well, uh, to be honest with you, Brother Cam, you know, I really didn't see anything prior to meeting the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan. You know, that just wasn't in my purview or, you know, my, my state of awareness. Yes, know, sir. Wasn't as it is now. I thought it was normal to not have your own school, to not have your own mm -hmm. hospital, to not have your own farm. I mean, my mind, I just did not wrap my mind around those type of things. It just wasn't in my thought process or thought pattern. But coming to be a student and follow the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and reading his materials, his philosophy, what was given to him by Almighty God Allah, then I begin to see the importance of having your own and how every creature was created by their creator to do for themselves. So it's really not a teaching. It's a part of the nature in which we were created. We were created to do for us. It's not a philosophy and it's not a teaching. It's a part of our natural inheritance, what we were created to do and who we were created to be. But again, because of our sojourn here in the Western Hemisphere and what has happened to us, we've been robbed of the knowledge of self, the love of self, which ultimately 
does not allow us to do for ourselves. But again, I just want to read something from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, dear brother. Yes, sir. This monumental book message to the black man. And yes, he sir. Said, yes, sir. Help yes, sir. He said, what must be done with the Negroes? <laughs> he said, since I've been brought in chains to the shores of America, our brain power, labor, skills, talent, and wealth have been taken, given, and spent to a building and adding to the civilization of another people. He said, is it time for you and me, the so-called Negroes, to start doing for ourselves? We must not let our children be as we are, beggars of another man for his home, facilities, clothing, food, and the means of providing a living. He says, man depends on land for the necessities, food, clothing, and shelter for survival. A prime requisite for freedom and independence is having one's own land. There can be no freedom without a people having their own land. So again, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is telling us, as the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is telling us, that we must help self, that we must do for self or we must suffer the consequences. And one of the, uh, I would say, primary things that we need is a facility, a hospital for our sick and our wounded. For the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said in Theology of Time, he said, why do you want to run to your enemy's hospital when you have good, as Sister Sajda said, you have good trained nurses and doctors. You have nurses throughout the world who would be willing to come here and take care of you. He said, even at no pay, some of them love you just that much to try to see that you are cared for. He said, you have a lot of them working in other hospitals here before your face and mine. There's hardly a little clinic wherein you don't find a foreign nurse, if not a doctor. Mm -hmm. So again, what Sister Saja is talking about, you know, what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has been talking about, as well as their minister, is not just talk or theory. It must be done. As we see, COVID has ravaged and decimated Black America. But prior to COVID, we know the underlying issue, the comorbidity rate as it relates to black people, uh, diabetes, heart disease, uh, cancer, you know, so many diseases and sicknesses that we are suffering from in many of the communities that we live in, they're food deserts and not just bad food. We know that we suffer from environmental racism is in the water and it's also in the air. So, you know, I thought that this was a discussion that is very necessary, very relevant, very timely, and not just a discussion, Brother Cam, but our sister here, Sajda, has participated and been a very intricate part in, all, in terms of doing and building that which we're here talking about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I thank you for lifting those words because it's very important to the foundational discussion that we have in here tonight, which will propel us forward into further action. But understanding that we must have our own and it must be done. It's not simply right. a teaching, as you said. It's not simply a theological standpoint. It's something that must be done because what I took from spe specifically from the reading was that there's hardly, well, actually what you said, is hardly, you can hardly go into any hospital or medical facility and find not uh, there not to be a foreign doctor or a foreign nurse uh, working there. So we know we have, doctors and nurses we know that we have those healthcare workers that are staffing the enemy's hospital but now what about being able to staff our own specifically now looking at these last two years uh in the pandemic right where everyone that's going to the hospital for every little thing 
is being pushed on. They're being persuaded in a particular direction. They're being saying that you have to do this in order for you to do this. Even when it comes to getting any type of uh, surgeries and things like that, this is the stuff that you're hearing coming from medical professionals and coming uh, out of the uh, medical field, right? So understanding that these are the type of pressures that our people are under during these times is more imperative today that we go ahead and get a Black-owned hospital. So this is a question that I had asked you prior to us coming on, uh, Sister Sasha. We see a lot of people beginning to build schools, Black independent schools, you know, um, Black museums and, you know, other great projects that we need for our community, Black banks, all of that beautiful stuff. But when it comes to building a Black hospital, what are some of the things that we should look for and what are the th some of the things that we should expect when we look for when we go on that type of journey well you have to first be ready to be dedicated and to be focused mm -hmm. um it took uh two years to build the facility that we built um Ooh, it took i'm sorry two years of studying four years to build mm. so mm. about six years all together um, and in, in that case, um, you have to be ready to do some studying. Each state is different. You have to be able to understand what the regulatory requirements are, um, in that particular state where you are. You have to understand that it's not just construction. So there are certain construction regulations. You can't just put up two by fours and do it like you built in a house. That all has to be studied. Um, in our case, this ours was built in Maryland, mm -hmm. and um, I I had a business partner. I've since leveraged much of my interest to finish the renovation of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad's home. But I was the lead designer developer from A to Z. So before we got out of the ground, I was studying the federal guidelines, the state guidelines, the county guidelines. Um, I spent time as a consultant. I'm giving you this background so that people don't think I'm just talking. I spent time as a consultant um, consulting hospitals and working in hospitals. I actually have put a deal together to actually purchase a hospital in Washington, D.C. The deal actually fell through. And then it was the late, great Marion Barry who said to me, just like this, don't F with this S, build mm. your home. Mm. And so that's how we got to, to where we started to look into it, found the land, and so what can you expect? You have to be smart and you have to be close to Allah. And when I say close to Allah, I don't even mean on a, uh, a fairy tale type of way. He has to be your strategic military alliance. Mm. When you about to make a move, you got to be like, Allah, what is my next best move? Because... The healthcare industry, I call them gangbangers and set trippers. Mm. And um, I can't tell you how many threats we got. Mm. Wow. I can't tell you how many times my tires were flattened. I can't wow. tell you how many times there were phone calls, threats. I can't tell you how many times once we started building, somebody cut the, cut the power off from the street. And give you an example, I said, Allah, what's my next best move? He said, move the connections inside the building. So when you show, you end up showing the clips 
that I gave you, I'll narrate it through. You will see a very elaborate engineering design that allowed us to be independent. Once we got up and running, now we had to deal with, with um, issues where people didn't want us to get licensed. So figuring out how to get around that. Because when you start talking about surgery, hospitals, and, and let me just break this down because a lot of people don't understand this. When you are building, say, an urgent care center or a clinic where you're seeing patients and the reimbursements might be 150, maybe $200 at the most per person, you don't really get too much pushback on that. But when you build a facility where you're also doing surgery, including radiology surgery, where you're talking about 20 to $50,000 a patient and you're doing surgeons for surgeries and procedures for 20 to $50,000 that they normally do for a hundred thousand dollars in the hospital. You're going to bring out the big gangsters. Wow. Okay? Mm -hmm. You can do it. You can do a small clinic. You can do an urgent care. And, and you know, we need those. They ain't going to mess with you too much because at $150 a patient, you can do the math. How many patients you got to see before you really can get some real money. You do, 10 a day, that, that's a big, heavy day, and you know, but yeah. when you start talking about playing that game and, and at that regulatory stage, when we got through all the licensing and made it through, there were people looking at us with their jaws open. My business partner in that particular venture is a vascular surgeon. So he was in surgery all day. So it was me at the trailer dealing with the regulatory folks dealing with the gangster folks mm. and that's what you got to be ready to deal with you you're going to have to you you got to put your gangster on and that's just real yeah. talk. this is mm. not um this is not baby construction this ain't no flipping houses this is where the big boys come out because mm. they make a lot of money you see a patient walk into the hospital they hiv positive they got diabetes they over the age, certain age maybe the age of 50 um, they've been smoking all their life. That's almost a half a million dollar patient right there. And wow. you talking about taking that patient from them and then you tell the insurance company, I'll take care of them for a quarter of the price. Mm. So on. the insurance companies are like, yes, yes, Miss Wendy, we love you. Come make a presentation. They all over me. Wow. But the fellow hospitals, they mad. Mm. They sending yes, food sir. over randomly. They doing all kind of stuff, flattening tires, um, you know, trying to block credentialing. So that's what you got to get ready. So you got to be able to think militarily and then you got to be able to figure out how do you get through these regulations to make sure that everything is set up right. And then you have to design a system so that you can be able to monetize it as well as take care of your people. Mm. Yes, ma'am. So challenge. Yes, ma'am. Business is warfare, brother Cam, as the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan right. kind of taught us. That's right. He said, you can't have a business without having a standing army or military. Mm -hmm. And our sisters bearing witness to that, mm -hmm. that when we begin to make progress, we saw it in the 1800s. We saw it after Reconstruction. We've always been subjected to what is called white rage. You understand yes, sir. white backlash that whenever we begin to make progress, we begin to see the worst of white folks. When That's we begin right. To, 
to, to, to become senators and, and governors during the Reconstruction period, this when you saw the formation of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, the White Knights, the Red Shirts. Why? Because we were making progress. And those who have always traditionally opposed us, they have never wanted to see us make progress. So we talk about uh, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. We talk about Rosewood, this uh, 100 black towns that black people had built coming out of slavery. And what? They were destroyed. They were targeted. Because why? We did not have a proper knowledge of our enemy and that which we was doing. So to all of our brothers who are listening on Instagram, on YouTube, there's something for you to do. You want to be, you want to be hard. We want you to keep that military propensity. We want you to be a soldier. But we got to build something for these brothers to soldier for and something to protect. And I think our sister Wendy is giving us the nuts and bolts. You understand? In terms of what a venture like this entails. This is not play play. No, it's not play play. Building a real live hospital institution. That which we need, which is not just black in personnel, but black in terms of concept, in terms of how we look at health. Because how we look at health have always been different from how the European or that Eurocentric philosophy in terms of health. There's always been a stark difference. So I just thought that was very important, let, brother. Let me say one thing, brother. Um, yes, sir. Let me say one thing. The Here's the tricky part, which we, we should all know this being in our circle. The white folks usually are the ones that are smiling. What they send in is the black folks that look like you. Mm, teach on that. Teach on that. So, so that's who blocked us and tried to stop us from closing mm. the land. That's who made the phone calls and came in and posed as patients mm. and looked mm. around to see if anything was there. It was us. Mm. So that's where it gets tricky because you go forward with that love in your heart. For us, in our case, nine times out of 10, the opposition looked like us. Now, that doesn't mean that there weren't people that didn't look like us behind them. Mm. But we have to be very, under, we have to understand what we're dealing with. You may have a, a brother to come in and he's very, very sick or a sister that comes in and they're very, very sick, but they are plant. Mm. Oh, talk on that. Teach on that. Military. So, we got to, and, and that, that's the thing, you know, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad have taught us that if you don't know who it was, you can't know what it is, and you'll be ill-prepared for what is yet to come. Because history is all of our studies, the most attractive and best qualified to reward our research. And the, the history teaches us that this has always been an aim and an objective, the routine practice of our open enemies. Many of the uh, slave rebellions and revolts you understand? They were taken down by somebody from the inside, from Nat Turner, the Denmark VC, to Gabriel Prosser. We know what happened with Marcus Garvey. You understand? Yes, so many uh, agents had infiltrated all of the black organizations, course, SNCC, the Nation of Islam. We've always seen this. We know historically that when we was on the plantation, that white folks created a law, which they called meritorious manumission which said that a slave could be free if he did three things. If he saved the life of his white slave master, if he created some type of medicine, or if he snitched or told on a fellow slave. Mm. So this has always been their practice. This, this has always been, again, their objective. You understand? To create that schism to make us distrustful of one another. 
And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says a message to the black man, there's entirely too much distrust among us as a people. He said, we trust everyone but ourselves. So we therefore have to remove the distrust in order for us to be able to do something constructive for ourselves. So what Sister Wendy is talking about has always been a factor and it will always be a factor. But that's why we have to be very principled you understand, in our efforts in trying to build these institutions and facilities that we need. So the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan just told us, righteousness exalted the nation. That's right. We have to be right when we are going forward in any endeavor that we, you know, engage in. So I think that was very important, but I just wanted to add a historical perspective yeah, to what is. Sister Sajda gave us that that's, you know, that has always been a routine practice of our open enemy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, family, if you just tuning in to the campaign TV show, we are tonight talking about nation building, building black hospitals and medical centers. And I, I'm sitting here with, you know, with a beautiful panel uh, full of knowledge and wisdom. Man, my student minister, Abdul uh, Haq Muhammad, uh, student minister out of uh, Newark, New Jersey, and then my uh, dear sister, uh, sister Sajda Muhammad as well, uh, who is is really letting us know everything that we need to know as we think about uh, our journey on embarking on building a black hospitals and black medical uh, centers because it's something that's needed and necessary. And earlier this year, well, earlier last year in 2021, I went on a tour. Uh, to a few cities where we were going into the community and we was letting people know about their their medical rights, their rights over their bodies, their rights to refuse, their rights uh, to choose and, and things of that nature on a medical level, on a uh, judicial level, uh, from a lawyer standpoint, and then also from a community activist standpoint as it pertains to these federal mandates that were coming down at the time. And we had some doctors that would come and sit on the panels in different cities. And uh, a lot of these doctors, uh, some were from our community, some were from outside of our community. But one thing that was consistent across the board was the fact that they would say that now healthcare has to go underground because we know a lot of the healthcare in these medical facilities now have been compromised. A lot of these different doctors that they have put that they're putting on TV on these mainstream media outlet on outlets have been compromised. So now we have to come together as a community and start to build our own medical facilities, hospitals, medical centers, urgent care centers, all of these different things so that our people who are not trying to go with the mandates, not trying to go with this globalist agenda and want to get natural healing, want to get a, a different perspective, want to get different therapies, have that option and have that available to them. So those medical professionals who were let go for not accepting the mandates and things of that nature, nurses, doctors, other medical personnel now have to come together and say, how can we pool our resources uh, with other communities and, and within our own community so that we can build our own uh, hospitals and medical centers. So I thought that was very important because that was something that we was discussing last year in 2021. So I want to pull up a a uh, presentation that Sister Sajda did with the medical center and the vascular center that she uh, built from A to Z, designed and developed from A to Z. So I want to pull that up and then have her narrate and walk us through exactly uh, what we see in here uh, as we move forward with the show, family. I need all of you all to uh, like, share, subscribe, 
If you are joining us from YouTube, the Facebook family, I need you to like, share, comment, share this out to as many people as possible. All right, family? We certainly Pam, appreciate it. Before you put that on, let me just yes, explain really quickly a lot of the classifications because a lot of people get mixed up. You okay. know, you have doctor's offices or clinics, right? Then mm -hmm. you may have um, a freestanding surgery center. You may have an ambulatory surgery center. You have community hospitals. You have trauma hospitals. And what we built is what is classified as a micro hospital, which means that it has everything that a community hospital has, except we could only keep people 23 hours and 59 minutes. So we did not have overnight beds just to give. So lab, radiology, all of that kind of stuff. And most of the money in healthcare is made in surgery. So you'll see, and I'll show uh, that, you know, we had the surgery rooms to make sure that we were able to monetize the facility in the right yes, way. Yes, ma'am. And I, uh, and I also want to point this out too, family, because this is a distinct uh, characteristic and something that you see that's, con that's consistent across the board when you look at, when you look at the, the enemy and how they set up this nation, whether it's in business, whether it's capitalistic entrepreneurship, whether it's in pharmaceuticals and medication in the medical industry, whether it's the prison to pipeline uh, or, or, or the military industrial system, all of these different institutions, education, all of these institutions are set up with a consistent theme of the bottom line being the forefront or the forerunner for all operations. So when you talk about healthcare, it's about surgeries and making money. When you talk about education, it's about pushing students through and creating these different programs like these IEP programs and classifying students with all of these different things so that the school can make more money. When you talk about the pharmaceuticals, you're talking about giving people, di diagnosing people with different uh, disorders that don't necessarily exist because there's a board who creates these different disorders in order for them to make money and push drugs. So the the bottom line is always about money. And as uh, student minister Abdul Haq said that we have to not only be black in staff, but we have to be righteous in mindset, righteous in principle and treat our people in the manner that they need to be treated, which is trying to, to heal the people. When we're talking about healthcare, when we're talking about growing our own food, it's about healing the people. It's not about making money and capitalistic gains. So I thought that was very important to highlight because as we move forward, we have to make sure that the mind is right, that we don't have a Eurocentric European whitewash mindset, even though we have black skin and have black doctors and nurses and staffs and developers and engineers. But if we go in with a whitewashed mind, then we're not, we're not going to be no better than the open enemy that has done what they've done for the past 6,000 years. So I, I just wanted to make sure I brought that point up as well. But let me go ahead and pull up uh, this presentation so Sister Saja can, uh, to, can walk us through that. Let me get that pulled up. All right. All right. So you'll see here, this is a presentation we put together because we were, before the pandemic, going to build um, a couple of hospitals in West Africa. So um, this is why you see DC in the background and stuff like that, because it was an international presentation. You can just hit play and I'll just talk through it. Okay, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a plan now. Okay. 
Um, so this is my business partner. Um, we, uh, <laughs> he, he was about to get kicked out of the hospital because he was always fighting for black people. And, and then that's just a quick bio on me. You can keep going. It's okay. It's a quick okay. bio on me. Um, and so having a surgeon as a business partner was great because I was able to go in and scrubbing cases and see exactly how things needed to be set up in the OR and in the facility to make it right, not only for the patients, but for the doctors as well and getting that insight. This is the outside of the facility. Um, it's 27,000 square feet. It's in Laurel, Maryland, four procedure rooms, three radiology rooms. We have a juice bar art gallery. It's an open design concept. Um, private parking in the garage, loading dock, storage room. Um, it's a LEED certified facility. Mm. That's beautiful. This is Great. our construction photos. This is when they dug the basement um, and they started to lay some of the structural work um, there. Um, and, and that's what you're looking at there. Just I would just we would just go up every day. I pretty much lived in the trailer. So the photo to the left, that's the juice bar with the floating staircases um, and the chandeliers. That became the waiting room. Uh, this is before we put chairs in it. The photo to the top right is one of the exam rooms, as well as the bottom right is, is one of the exam rooms as well. And the idea was to just um, make it that that's the from the upstairs down, that's um, from the executive level down. With, you'll see the privacy walls and things like that. And we wanted to make sure people didn't feel like they were in a healthcare facility. We put special air handling in there so you don't get that funky, stinky hospital smell. Um, yeah. the, air, the bacteria was being cleansed. That's yeah. micro uh, antibacterial flooring. It looks like wood, but it's actually antibacterial flooring. Mm. Wow. Antibacterial flooring. Boy, you learn something new every day. Yeah, you see, Brother Cam, the, the sensitivity. Uh, this one here, this is the women's bathroom to the top left. Same thing with the antibacterial flooring. That's the front desk. We wanted it to look like a hotel lobby again, so people didn't feel like they were coming to the hospital. And that's where our front desk would sit there at the bottom right. And um, again, you can get a view of the antibacterial flooring there. There's also a certain type of paint that has to be used. This is our uh, recovery area. It's a nine bay recovery area with a nurse's station in the middle. You see each recovery area has a television. This is before we put the beds in there where we, we had our own tele, we have our own television commercials that we play, advertise, educate people while they're laying there and recovering. And all this is set up to be in compliance with state regulatory requirements, including the closet in the back. The top left is the, the staff locker room. The top right, um, going back, that's the service hallway. Um, bottom right, that's a, the doors to the procedure rooms. And um, to, the, to the bottom left here, that's just outside of the um, recovery area there. And all those rooms back there is where we, we can do procedures. And you see the antibacterial paint on the walls as well. So if anybody throws up on the wall, throws up on the floor, that bacteria does not sink down. Even the ceiling, this particular room is our OR. This room is completely sealed shut. It has um, a very sophisticated air handling system 
When you mm. go in there, it's like Michael Jackson's oxygen chamber. This room actually could literally fill up with water and it would not leak. That's so that no bacteria wow. goes in and out. You can see how the floors are wrapped up around the walls. Everything is stainless steel and the lights um, in the ceiling allow the, the doctors as well as you see the medical gas chamber that's hanging down so you don't have tanks and stuff dragging around. You just hook right into the gases that are um, hooked in from the basement. And you can see from the ceiling, the ceiling is completely sealed. So there's no uh, antibacterial air. So if you're not feeling well and you literally went into this room right here and stayed for five or 10 minutes, you would come out feeling better because it would begin to clear some of the bacteria in your nose and your nas nasal congestion and things like that. Wow. Phenomenal. Phenomenal, brother. Praise be to Allah. Um, that's just a view into the room. The room to the right is the, um, the sanitation room where they go and clean and rinse off all the instruments. You can see the stainless steel cleaner there, antibacterial floor. The one to the left is the sterilizer where the instruments are put in. We rarely had to even use these because we try to use materials that are disposable. So they're thrown away after each use so that we're not re reusing them. However, the state requires that we have these in place. So this is one of those state regulatory requirements that we had to go ahead and build it and spend the money to build it. These rooms also have their own plumbing and their own drainage. So the, the rents from these rooms is not commingling with the pipes in the other parts of the building. So there's no cross contamination either. And then the antibacterial tile and stuff is in there as well. A lot of the things I'm mentioning to you are things that people don't normally do. This is our very expensive uh, mechanical uh, basement. This is where all the money in the $20 million facility is. This big tank to mm. the top left is because we heated and cooled the entire building with water. Again, we didn't have to do that, but we did it that way so that the air could always be clean. It wouldn't be really dry. Um, if you look at the bottom right, all the way over there to the back, that's where my water connection is because somebody had cut our water pipe from the outside. So we moved those pipes actually on the inside. So everything is under lock and key in, inside, inside of the facility. So you would have to cut off the whole neighborhood in order to cut us off. And then we have a 72 hour generator on the outside as well. Wow, look at that, look at that. Um, these are just some of the different procedures that we were um, that we perform and that we were proposing to also perform in Africa, um, you know, venograms, coil embolization, hernia repair, peripheral arteriograms, mechanical atherectomy, all the kind of things is most of our people are, are at risk for cardiovascular disease. We're right. overweight. We smoke high cholesterol, uh, high blood pressure. Um, Dialysis all, access. Yep. Yep. That's that that's that's a stuff. lot. That's heavy in our community. Mm -hmm. Stroke prevention, you know, fibroids. Um, you can skip past this. This is just talking about what is the diseases. We went into that with them. And I think this might be all the pictures. And these are some of the risk factors. You see the other medical risks there, diabetes, high blood pressure, smoking, high cholesterol, family history of cardiovascular disease or circulatory problems and obesity. When you start dealing with that family of diseases, you're gonna hit most of what is plaguing our people. Mm. 
or that family uh, of risk factors, I should say. Mm. So that that's I think that's that's pretty much it. The rest of it is just talking about what we do and um, offering consulting services and things like that. So I wanted you to see the facility and, and see some of the engineering that also went into it as well, because we went over and above and beyond. We, we could have built a facility probably for seven or eight million. We spent 20 million dollars um, and also be prepared with this. No bank would touch us until we were almost done. We end up getting a loan for like $3 million. So we had to bootstrap it every step of the way. So that's wow. another thing to be prepared for because the other hospitals, there are some states where there are rules in effect where you can't even build a medical facility unless the other hospitals in the area consent. That's why you see most black people going into, they say, okay, I'm just going to open a clinic and urgent care. I'm just going to see patients. But wow. if you try to get above a certain size, there are some rules in some states where your fellow hospital members and other other people in the community have to consent on whether or not um, you you open up. And Maryland is um, not as strict as some places like Jersey or New York, but Maryland was like that. The state of Maryland is actually stricter from a guideline standpoint and regular regulatory standpoint than the federal government. So when the state of Maryland came out to inspect us, the federal government said, oh, Maryland said, OK, you good. Here's your certificate. <laughs> <laughs> that's how strict they are. But um, you have to also keep that in mind. And that's where a lot of the game playing comes in, too, because the hospitals will generally send somebody black to get information. They'll try to get a job. They may even work at your facility for a little while. Wow. Got to be on the lookout for that, man. It's always yeah. it's always your own people. So yeah. there was there was something that you mentioned, and uh, but but before I say that, uh, brother Abdul, did you have? I know it was something that you were saying. Did you want to get in right here? No, I mean just uh, you know, our sister, you know her mindset, to our basic spiritual. So when she talked about the floors, the attention to detail, you know, how comfortable she wanted to make the facility. We wanted to make it, you know, not have that hospital feel. So the floors we use, you know, she's talking about the quality of the air. See, so when I say a black hospital, we're not just talking about in personnel or skin, but we're talking about in mindset. See, there's always and there has always been a difference as it relates to uh, black people's our concept of health our belief of health, the healthcare system, how we take care of our own, how we treat our own. There's always been a stark difference uh, to such a degree that, you know, this is, it is not a new phenomenon that we have a distrust uh, for the European medical establishment. We've never trusted them. Even when we was on the plantation, we've always had a disdain or dislike or we was not comfortable with how they handled us. So much so that we used to forsake you understand? They're doctors and they're surgeons. And mm -hmm. we used to go to our own root doctors, our own herbalists, right. to such a degree that America made it illegal in 1748 in Virginia, 1751 in South Carolina, for us to practice medicine. The punishment, if they found us practicing medicine in Virginia and South Carolina and other jurisdictions, it was death. You understand? Because on every plantation, it was not just the slaves and the slave masters, it was also hospitals. Hell, white folks have surgeons and doctors on on the uh on the slave ship. 
That's right. So the surgeons and doctors played a very intricate role in the slave trade. And the surgeons and doctors on the slave ship were not there so much to heal us, but to camouflage our scars. You understand? And our wounds so that when we got off the ship, you understand, we looked it healthy, but we really wasn't. So, again, our, our, our distrust for the medical establishment is not something new. Prior to Tuskegee, Henrietta Lacks, Fannie Lou Hamer, and all of those uh, situations in terms of, in terms of the uh, mistreatment and mishandling of us by the medical establishment, we had already been distrusted them prior mm -hmm. to the 1900s. When we was on the plantation, we no nah, no nah, we we we'll we'll go we'll go you know to the slave midwife or granny or big mom we'll go to her let her get us some herbs from the woods let her heal us that's you right understand? so we never trusted them so you know this is not a new phenomenon but this is historical since I we first landed here in the Western Hemisphere not that's only right. that brother um you got to go all the way back to Yakub see part of the grafting process the right. the doctors and the doctors were used and that crafting process still exists to this day that's right that's okay. right it's that's still right. here we're still living under yakub's mind so uh oh somebody already just said it in the chat yakub <laughs> doctors and crematorium so listen that's right let me say this to you though over time the brainwashed have become the brainwashers mm. so you will find and we, we dealt with this a lot, that a lot of our people will trust the white doctors before they trust you. Mm. That's why we had to spend an extra money to make our facility look nice. Look nice, right. Um, incorporate in light music and color. We put an art gallery in there and put colors, certain colors in there to facilitate healing. We have music in every single room. Even while they're doing surgery, they can be listening to some OJs or Isley Brothers. Anything that's going <laughs> to calm them down yeah. and reduce the nervous system mm. and prevent them from going into fight or flight while they're in surgery. However, I would have to say that the majority of our people trust them. They will come to us. We have a whole had had whole families come in and argue with us about what the treatment should be and say, nope, nope, but my white doctor said this or that. And they will throw down with you for that white doctor. We'll take you to court for that white doctor. Mm. And by the grace of Allah, time and time and time again, every single time, we were able to, in some cases, we had to dismiss the patients because they was too argumentative. We couldn't, we weren't shy about saying, you know what, we can't serve you. You have to leave. But we also had some cases where people went to the state and said, they told me I don't need no surgery. But I went to Georgetown and they said I did. And the state reviewed the documents and said, yeah, <laughs> you don't need surgery. So, you know, the the, the white man has done a job on us. Mm. And so we, you know, that that's what you, to me, that's the most difficult thing to tackle, primarily because of my love for my people. And and I'm and we be looking at them and I'm I'm literally in my mind going, here we built this facility for you. Got light, music, colored, and prayed over every aspect of it. Infused the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad into the over 2,000 pages of policies and procedures that they made us turn in to the state before we got our license. And then you saying that we 
we don't know what we're talking about. Mm. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, you know, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said that the most honorable Elijah Muhammad was given the most difficult job of any man <laughs> on the planet Earth, right? <laughs> which is the resurrection of yes. the black man and black woman in America. So when you know and understand that the 85% is easy to lead in the wrong direction and hard to lead right. in the right direction, then when you are trying to build, when you build a facility for our people mm -hmm. and it's for our people to help our people and you see what they say and what they do, even in the midst of heaven, even in the midst of even being in, midst of heaven, in heaven, they are still acting crazy that you know the, the hell of a condition and the hell of a job that the Caucasian has did on and, our people family. And let me so just say this one last thing on that point. Yes ma'am. The beautiful thing is that we know our people and I was blessed to be a part of the uh, ownership that knows our people. So I know, I know what we like and I know how to get us. For one, I know that the facility got to look good. There ain't nothing in the DMV that looks that good. Mm. I can stand on that. You can. I traveled all around in every hospital. Facility has to look good. It can't look like a little clinic. It can't look basic. It's just like you got to ride up in that nice Bentley. Yeah. Because if you pull up in the Chevy, our people not going to listen. That's just where we are. And mm -hmm. you got to understand that. You also got to understand different things. So we put events and programs together to get our people to come and get the education. We know that they like Donnie Simpson, for example, in the DMV. So we made Donnie Simpson our patient ambassador and mm. put him on the radio to help us educate. So we didn't get on the radio per se, talking about you gotta stop smoking, you gotta lose some weight, you gotta do, we let Donnie Simpson do that. Right. So we would have events and partnering with the DC office on aging. We know our people, the seniors like the line dance. Yep. Come on over, we're gonna have a, a line dance uh, hmm. event. And in the midst of the line dance event, we're gonna give you a free screening. And then they said, oh, I'm going back over there. They had free food and they yep. got a juice bar and we was line dancing. And then <laughs> next thing you know, they saved my life. So that's oh. actually how we got ourselves into the community. And we literally, I took a page, I, I thought, I said, look, Master Farad Muhammad went door to door, so we're going to go door to door. So we went nursing home to retirement home to uh, this facility, that facility, educating and talking and and keep going. And I, and I made the vendors pay for it. Hey, y'all, give me some money because I'm going to this nursing home. I need to educate them. And that's how we ended up doing this. So it's a full, you know, nation building process. Mm want to add that yes ma'am yes ma'am so earlier you mentioned the fact that you know you could have spent uh five million dollars on building the facility but you went the extra mile with being able to spend 20 million on building that facility in the dmv now we know when it comes to nation building and all of our projects right when it gets to the money part that's when black people get funny when they get to the money, black people get funny. So, <laughs> so I want to discuss what does because you said for that in the DMV was twenty million. What are we looking at as you know as a figure that we should be aiming for in order to bring this 
to pass, you know, in another uh, city and state. We have an example in the DMV. So we know 20 million gets you that type of facility in D.C., Maryland or Virginia. OK, so say if we was going to do something in a uh, in a more, um, you know, say we're going to do something in Atlanta. What will we be looking at? What will we what would we be looking at in Atlanta uh, as far as money? And would it be a situation where we would have to raise five million uh, and get this and then we raise another five to get this? Or do we raise it all at one time? How does that process look? So when you're talking about the $20 million expenditure, it's not all construction. So there's about four or $5 million before you even get out of the ground. That's your, your regulatory, your drawings. Some states will require you to have what they call a certificate of need, where you have to go to the state and say, can I build this facility? And in the state of Maryland, for example, you have to use certain types of attorney. You have to prepare these presentations. Um, you literally have to put it together um, before you actually build. So a lot of that money is um, a non-tangible, non-construction type of things. Okay. Mm -hmm. And bringing in, and then you got to make sure you have construction workers and um, designers who design medical facilities and who build medical facilities. So this is not, you know, and you, we use certified medical builders is what we did that way or builders that way, the state could never say anything to us. Cause I knew if I brought in a brother or a sister construction company and they didn't have that certification, then I literally could get all the way built up and then they wouldn't give me a license. So every step of the way, those minds are, are adding and layering to your success. So if you're talking about Atlanta, you're probably talking about the same amount of money um, mm -hmm. because it's you might you might be able to go a little bit bigger if you want to move into um, what I suggest. A couple of things I suggest. One of the things that I'm I am looking into working on here in Chicago is a radiology or a diagnostic center where one of the biggest problems is that when some when you're sick, you can't figure out what's wrong with you. So you want to be able to go to an independent facility to get a CAT scan, an MRI, any kind of radiology study so that you leave and you go to your doctor with these documents and say, this is my clinical field. This is how I'm feeling. This is how I present. This is the exam. This is the center that where that gave me my tests. And here's everything. There's that. Then another thing, instead of building from the ground up, there are a lot of small community hospitals that are being abandoned okay. that we can go in and, you know, renovate and revamp. You know, I've seen them as low as a million dollars in some areas, five million dollars. There's places where you can go out on the Internet and look for these abandoned hospitals, because as the big box healthcare centers move in, they are forcing the community hospitals out of business. Mm, okay. So in a lot of cities, you have these abandoned community hospitals that may be 50 bed or hundred bed facilities that you can go in and revamp. Also to give you game, you can go to auctions and get medical equipment okay. that's been refurbished by licensed refurbishers. So there's a way to do to do more. We were in a position where our existing deal with the existing hospital we were trying to buy 
fell through. Mm. And so we ended up, you know, building our own. But in every city, Chicago, Memphis, Atlanta, there are abandoned community hospitals that we can look into and look at purchasing and just, you know, renovating because they're going to already be zoned. You don't have to spend money to change zoning. Um, they're going to already, you know, have some of the structure that you need. And so that that will help um, shorten that shorten that learning curve. OK, so then um, so my follow up question would be for an individual who may be interested and doing this, they say, hey, listen, I know I don't watch the show. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching you, uh, brothers and sisters tonight. And, you know, this is an idea of mine that I wanted to do. You mentioned that your partner on the hospital in the DMV was a vascular surgeon. So do you have to have a, a person in the medical background, a vascular surgeon or a cardiologist or, you know, uh, you know, anybody in the medical field as your particular partner? going down this road? Yes, you need them on the team because most of the time the state is going to want to see that your plan has been signed off on by a medical profession. They like surgeons. Okay. They generally um, like surgeons. So that's kind of the top of the chain when it comes to those regulatory people. So having somebody like that on board, especially if you're in a state where you have to be pre-approved to develop the facility, um, you're gonna you're gonna need somebody like that on on board. And um, it's okay to have nurses and stuff like that, but the um, the real generals that they look for are gonna be in in that surgery area. Had I gone as a business developer and presented the concept, um, I don't I don't think they would have approved it. So I was able to write in the narrative and in even the drawing, I, I didn't bring it over here, but even in the drawings that we put together a packet to show them some of the healthcare disparities that he had actually experienced and why we wanted to make certain deviations from the regulations. Mm. Because whatever you say you're going to do in your pre-approval is what you got to do. So when they come in and, and audit you or inspect you, they're inspecting you not so much based on the state standards, but based on what you said you were going to do. And then when they looked at your plan, they made sure that it lined up with the with the state policies and procedures. So that that's the that would be key. You got to have you're going to have to have some surgeons and or doctors with some experience on board. ER doctors, that kind of thing. Yes, ma'am. Um, and I noticed I noticed that because at, uh, I used to work at a dialysis clinic and all of the dialysis clinics have as their medical director, you know, a uh, a, a, a dialysis doctor. Uh, I think it's nephrolo nephrologist. Right. They mm -hmm. have one as the medical director. He sits because you have to have that. You have to have that doctor to sign off, you mm -hmm. know, in uh, different uh with behavioral clinics and things like that, you have to have a person, a doctor that will sign off on that. It can't just be uh, the business person. Now, um, on the finance side, and I want to direct this question to you, uh, Student Minister Abdul Haq. The Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that we should have a, we need to have a national treasury where we would all send our funds uh, so that we could take those funds and purchase land and and, and, and be able to use those funds for uh, specific projects like this. So for 
someone who may have the idea and want to do this as far as how do we set up the money? Like, you know, you just see people using GoFundMes, you have people setting up these different things, but how do we set up the funds so that we will be able to, you know, people who want to get behind this initiative to see this come into fruition, how do we set that up? Well, Brother Cam, well, I appreciate your faith in me, dear brother. <laughs> That's really not my lane. Yes, I'm sir. A spiritual man. You know, yes, I'm sir. just here to buttress and support uh, our sister Sajda because, again, she is the foremost expert where this is concerned. And I thought it was very important and very imperative to have her up here because this is not theoretical. Again, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad have taught us through the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan that we have to show and prove. So he have taught us that we need a hospital. But we have a sister here, again, who has done that. She has done the groundwork, the painstaking uh, labor that it have taken to actually build a facility and the institution that we need. So I thought it was imperative and important that our people see her, that they hear her, that she's real, because she lets us know our potential. For the Honorable Elijah Muhammad asked a question. He said, do we have the qualified men and women for self-government? And our sister is an example that we do. You understand that we have brothers and sisters who are brilliant and, you know, all over this country. But what we don't have, again, is the necessary unity that we need, which the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said will solve 95% of our problems. So I just wanted to highlight my sister in terms of not what she said she was going to do, not what needs to be done, but what she has done. And hopefully there's others out there who have just as much experience as her, who can hear her, who can see her, that will want to connect with her network. You understand? So we can cut and shorten the time that we need in order to build these kind of institutions and these facilities. So I appreciate you calling my name there, brother. <laughs> I think that question to go to our wonderful sister Sajda, because again, we're talking about a $20 million uh, uh, facility. You understand that she helped and organized, you know, and built. So I, I, yes, I think our sister would be best qualified to answer. <laughs> answer yes, question, sir. My dear brother, how do we? Yes, sir. Know? Sister Sajda. I can ask that plus address what's here on the screen where somebody mentioned 501c3 status. Um, I can do both. Um, okay. the, the 501. So, so the structure of the facility, what, what I've seen many hospitals do is they have a for-profit arm and a non-for-profit arm. Okay. The for-profit arm is because you've got to be able to make money and you got to be able to make a lot of it because you want to be able to be in a position because when you start talking about your patient mix, we are the sickest of the sickest as black people. Mm. And so when you bring us into your community, we started out trying to help only the sickest of the sickest. But what we found was that we would end up going belly up if we did that. Right. So we had to figure out a patient mix that made it so that maybe 60, 70 percent of the patients were your platinum insurance carriers and then the other other piece and we did some free surgeries were more of your charity cases and those you run through your 501 c3 that's where you can take donations and things like that 
And um, I and just to, before we talk about raising the money, just to break down the money, this is why I said um, it's very difficult for people who are opening up urgent care centers and um, clinics where they're only getting $100 or so. You take so many Medicaid patients, you get $100 a patient. Well, what, what is it costing you per hour to, to run your facility? Mm. So we knew, for example, that it cost us somewhere around twelve to $13,000 an hour to run this facility. That's because of the, the overhead, because once you right. get open, there's all kinds of things that it costs. Well, that was no problem for us as a surgery center because, you know, one surgery might be $35,000, and we could charge that because it might be an $80,000 surgery when they went to the hospital. Right. We tell the insurance company, we'll take 40. You got two of those going, going in an hour, three. We had the capacity to have six going in an hour. Yeah, so you so, can cover that. You can so cover you that. can cover it, right? So sometimes people look at the money and they think, oh, this doctor, they're making so much money, but there's a lot of overhead. So my suggestion is that we put a team together um, that um, that we we feel comfortable with through the guidance of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and then we start to figure out how to raise money. And there's different ways we could go about raising the money to get it up and going. Um, and then we start to look for, um, my suggestion would be um, an existing facility that maybe can be upgraded and, and updated in an area of the country that is not that hostile. Mm. And, and so... Yes, ma'am. So, what would be uh, what what would be an example of a uh, area in the country that's not so hostile? That's tough these days. Um, <laughs> it's hostile. It's hostile everywhere for us, bro. <laughs> it's hostile. It's, it's hostile, hostile in different ways. Hostile. But what I say, not that hostile. What I mean is, in terms of, are you able to go in and do an independent facility? You know, you have places like Florida and California where you have a lot of independent facilities. So the, those are things that easy easily look at on the internet, and then we have to look at we have to do some due diligence. We have to look at the regulatory requirements. You know what? I, I think the state of Georgia is is not so bad. Also, um, some of these states where you got the big gangsters, especially in the Northeast, um, where they they got it set up that if we decided we wanted to build a hospital in Trenton, New Jersey then the, the other hospitals in the area have to say, yeah, it's okay for them to come in. Or um, the state has to say, you have to demonstrate a need. So then we'd have to do a population study. And just like we would say, there's a food desert, this is a hospital desert. Well, in the DMV, the entire DMV is, is pretty much a hospital desert. So wow. EC, Maryland and Virginia area, um, geographically is about the same size as say Metro Chicago or Houston or Philly. You have over 200 hospitals and independent 235 independent facilities in Chicago land area, little less than 200 in the Philadelphia Metro area, uh, about the same in the Houston Metro area, but the DMV only has somewhere around a hundred. So they couldn't challenge us on the need basis 
in that area because there's not enough. If there was ever a disaster in that area, there's not enough hospitals to address. Yeah, there's there's just not there. So finding another area like that. Now, that didn't mean that it wasn't hostile. It just meant that we we met that we decided to jump that regulatory hurdle and then fight the gangsters as opposed to go somewhere where we didn't have the gangsters, but we had to fight the regulatory hurdle. So what happens in those areas, though, you have the few big hospitals that run run the show and they'll do everything they can to make sure you can't get equipment and all this other stuff. But, um, you know, I'm I'm from Chicago. We know how to go and get to the auction. This is healthcare auction central. You yes, don't want to to us? I'm Mr. going Dr. home to get it. <laughs> brother, brother, Minister Carlos said, "Wow, the DMV." <laughs> wow, the DMV. That's right. That's yeah. right. Baltimore yeah, is even in a better healthcare state than the DMV. Hmm. Wow. That's why we wow. didn't go to Baltimore. Hmm. Wow. So, so okay. All right. All right, family. So we we we've gotten a lot. We've really gotten a lot. Woo! And Sister Sajda and. Uh, student Mr. Abdul Haq has provided us with a perspective on um, building a black hospital, the importance of it, the need of it. Sister Sajda gave us so much insight, so much, uh, you know, in, uh, so much of an inward look as what it would look like, what it would take for us to bring this into existence. Right, family. So, you know, um, it's a lot to digest, but we definitely can do it. So being here. Being here and we closing down, family. We appreciate everybody who's been with us uh for the last hour and uh 15 minutes. So we appreciate you all for coming and, and sharing and liking and commenting. We appreciate everybody for giving their perspective uh and joining us tonight. So we appreciate you and shout out to everybody that's been tuned in. Uh so I'm in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. So we decided that we wanted to form a coalition and say we want to build a black hospital here in Atlanta, Georgia. Would it be, would we start with the big hospital or do you start with maybe small urgent care centers and build up to a bigger hospital, Sister Sajda? What would be a blueprint or a game plan uh, with you, uh, you know, with that being brought to you? What, what would you, what would you do? If our people were not dying at alarming rates, I would say start with the urgent care and work your way up. We don't have time for that no more. Um, mm. We got to get, we got to pull our surgeons and our plethora of healthcare professionals together. And we got to go for that diagnostic center. We got to go for that community hospital. We can't make enough money in an urgent care or a clinic to really move to that next level. It's just not enough. We're just not going to clear enough cash. Mm. Radiology okay. center where we might uh, be in a position to charge $1,500 to $3,500 per CAT scan or MRI or something like that. We, we might be able to make enough, but we got to go for that community hospital. Yes, in my opinion. And that's why I say buy an existing one because we got a quick learning curve, but our people are dying at a rap. Before COVID, we, we were losing over 100,000 people a year to cardiovascular disease. That's before COVID. Mm. Wow. So we, we don't have time to crawl our way up. You just can't make enough cash with these urgent care centers and stuff. 
Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And that's why, family, our unity is so important. Because the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said if the necessary unity, if we had the necessary unity, it would cut time short. So a lot of people talk about, you know, it takes time to do this, it takes time. To, the minister said if we had the nece- we have the necessary unity to cut time short to 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 be able to close that gap and do what it is that we need to do in order for us to be successful. So you heard my sister say that our people are dying at such a rapid pace. We don't have time to slow walk it through clinics and to through through uh you know medical centers and things like that. We got to go straight to community hospitals. There are a lot of abandoned abandoned hospitals as she said community hospitals that have been abandoned and pushed out because of the bigger ones that are uh that are surrounding so those are opportunity zones for us to be able to go in put the money up and be able to have that learning curve as she said and be able to get these facilities up and running for our people and and i'm glad you mentioned mentioned that sister because with the pandemic and a lot of our medical professionals are being laid off, right? We have them available. My mother is a healthcare professional. She's an RN as well as a respiratory therapist. My sister is a, uh, is a, is a registered nurse as well. So it's a lot of people who are in that medical uh in the medical field who are available, who are at home. A lot of them retired because of what was going on in the hospitals and the places that they were working. So what would you say to the healthcare professionals now um, that are at home or who have been laid off and looking for other opportunities? How could they help us in our quest to build or to create another, uh, start another community hospital? Um, I would say, you know, when we form this community group that they be on point to help lend their expertise because, you know, we got a lot of work to do before we even move forward with it. Um, But also, let me just say this, and, you know, out of respect to all of our healthcare workers, um, you know, when you're in corporate, and I, I can speak to this as a business person, I was in corporate, it makes you lazy. Because you don't have to be a creator, you don't have to really think outside the box, you just have to be a good box checker. And what I would say to our healthcare professionals is take some time and study your craft. Don't assume that you just kind of already know because you did well working in the hospital and you were great at checking boxes because now we're talking about designing our own system or tweaking an existing system to fit it to our needs. And so we need you to come and be creative. Um, We don't want to hear, well, this is what they do at such and such hospital (laughs) where 75% of the people die as soon as they go on the ventilator. Mm. We we don't want to hear the metrics that you learn. Something that, that I was taught when I first came into the nation and started working at the National Center and closely with the National House is that you can't always bring those old business models over into the new and separate territory and expect different results. That's right. That's so right. I would just encourage us to open our minds and be creative so that in the event that we can call you in and you can come and help, that we're not fighting with you to get you to let go of a system and things that didn't work. There are going to be a lot of things that we're going to pull over from that existing system that did work, but there's a lot that we're not doing and that we're throwing away. Mm. And so we don't want to be fighting with you and then you throwing up your, your degrees and 
trust me, I've been through this and I, I know this right. and I got this education and I'm this person and that person. Yeah, but you come from a hospital where y'all killing people every day. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. right. That's right. So, yes, so we, so that, that's all I would say is that when you come to work in the separate territory, in the separate hospital, in the separate space, come with an open, creative mind, and not Yakub's mind that you just want to bring over to the new facility. And brother Cam, can I just close with something from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad? Yes, sir. He said on October 1st, 1972, he said in doing the theology of time, do you not see how dumb we are? We are pretty ignorant in this big old wide USA. And in every corner we look or on every square foot, we find the enemy. He's against us, yet we won't build up a hospital for self. Now, we just heard what Sister Wendy said in terms of us not having time because of the rate that we are dying at. He says, try to do these things or wait around and it will be too late. Then you will cry, oh, woe is me. I let such an opportunity that Elijah Muhammad was teaching go by. I fooled around and didn't do nothing. We're talking about as it relates to building a hospital. He said, but depending on the white man to build up something for ourselves. And then the nations of the earth will recognize you and they are reckon as they are recognized themselves for doing for self. No need to say you don't have a chance. Oh, yes, we can break the chains, brother, and come on out of it. We don't have we don't have nothing that's binding us, which we cannot destroy and free ourselves. And Sister Saja talked about all of the hurdles and the obstacles that those who traditionally have opposed us have put in her way. But she did not let those obstacles and those hurdles stop her. She had to be strategic. She had to reach for her God consciousness. She had to reach again for her prayer rug. She had to put that mug on the rug. Yes, sir. On a higher power and ask him to give her the creativity, the ingenuity to sidestep a lot of the tricks and schemes and the machinations that were being put in her path. You understand? So she is proving that the black man and woman is God and that there's no obstacle, there's no hurdle that we can't overcome with faith in Allah, belief and trust in ourselves, a little ingenuity, a little creativity, and we can make it happen. Again, she did not build an ice cream parlor. We need that too. Or ice cream stand, we need that too. Teach on that. She didn't build a hot dog truck. We need that too. We need it all. But our sister built a $20 million hospital. And and she didn't fake like she built it. Because a lot of times we be perpetrating and pump faking. You know, we do that. Acting like we did something that we didn't do. But our sister, again, came on and she showed and proved that she got the intricate knowledge on what it takes to build, again, this $20 million, and, and not, not a ragtag facility. All the brothers and sisters on Instagram, we got to put this up so you can see the dedication, the care, the concern, the sensitivity, you understand, that our sister put into building this facility. You, you ain't even think you was in a hospital. They got that hotel feel. Got the hotel feel, yeah, right. So we, we don't like hospitals. <laughs> you understand? We got a phobia. You understand? Yes, sir. hospitals because what has done, what was done to us. But guess what? Our sister was sensitive to that. She didn't just say, "Man, the hell, they're gonna have to get what they get." No, she was sensitive and compassionate enough. You understand? 
about the history and the concerns of her people. So she built the institution that, you understand, don't remind you that you're in a hospital. So again, I just wanted to say that, Brother Cam. I really appreciate you, Sister Sajda. You understand? You got the you got the, the chat on fire. Praise be yes, to Allah. We oh, mean, man, Allah. listen, I know many of us didn't know that we had a sister with such a wellspring of knowledge. You understand? And wisdom as it relates to building an institution in the hospital. So, man, I was so happy that I could be a part of this. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. And Sister Sajda, would you like to give uh, our people any closing remarks? The closing remarks on this is that two things. One, to you, to, to those of us who are healthcare consumers, you have to be your own advocate. Make sure that you're asking questions and don't assume that just because a doctor has a black face, that it's a black doctor. Oh, come on, come on. Okay. Come on. Also, for those of us who we, we're going to work on getting this committee together um, and we'll put the put the call out there. We're going to you know sit down and talk. We'll figure out how to put this committee together so that we can start searching for, um, you know, the right facilities for us to acquire and put the money together. But but we're we'll get there and we're working on it. And like I said, we don't have time to take baby steps. Uh, we're dying at alarming rates and it's. And it, it would take you all one day to come and volunteer and um, it would it would change your life. And you would you would see what I mean. You see the numbers, but you have to see our people and see the condition that we are in to really, truly understand it. So be your own advocate and don't assume that just because they got a black face that it's a black doctor. Mm. Yes, ma'am. And one thing people are asking in the chat, Sister Sajda, is the name of the facility that you built in the DMV? Mm -hmm. It's called Minimally Invasive Vascular Center. So if you go to MIVCMD.com and um, you can, you know, call there, make an appointment. We've been having limiting, limited. I'm not there um, anymore. I'm in Chicago now working on the messenger's home. So I know people go and they ask for me, but um, they're, they're there, they're open. And I know they've been busy with the, with the pandemic, um, but that's it. MIVCMD.com. It's at 9201 Cherry Lane in Laurel, Maryland. The phone number is 301-497-1590. Thank you for that, Sister Sajda. And somebody asked, will there be qualities list for members on the committee? Yes, we got to get um, Brother Abdul Haq. We got to sit down and lay all of that stuff out. You know, the types of people we need. Uh, we've got some really active and beautiful physicians um, in the nation. And, and maybe that yes. begins the beginning of our hospital formation committee. And then we just kind of figure out what our agenda is, you know, from there. Um, but um, I think we'll then put out what our qualifications need to be and what we need. But I think we first have to form that initial committee. Yes, ma'am. And you said that it's MIVCMD.com, correct? Uh-huh. M like man, I like Italy, V like victory, C like cat, M like man, D like David. 
Okay, yes, ma'am. All right. So, yeah, so I had it right. All right, family. So you have heard it here. We, we are going to be launching this initiative, family, because it is so very, very important. Um, so I would just like to thank all of you who tuned in, who shared, who liked, who commented, who dropped their perspective in the comment section, family. It was very much appreciative and appreciated here uh, on the campaign tv show i'm your host brother king cam and again i would like to thank our esteemed panelists uh thank sister you. uh sajda muhammad and brother student minister abdul haq muhammad y'all give them a round of applause in the comment section family for joining us tonight and for sharing the stage yes it, please go get this book this is very important a preventative guide a preventative measure you understand mm -hmm. to to help you prevent some of those ailments that Sister Sasha was talking about. So please go and get this book. Uh, Finalcall.com is there. Please go and get this book. I had to put that in there, Brother Ken. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely, family. And uh, if you would like to donate to the Campaign TV show, it is scrolling across the bottom. I didn't mention it in the whole show, but you can donate via Cash App, uh, dollar sign, Campaign TV show. And if you would like to join my text community for the podcast, you can text the word podcast to 404-737-1030. You'll get updates, you'll get uh, texts, and you'll get all of the information about upcoming podcasts and things of that nature. So you'll be in the know on that. But if you would like to donate, you can donate via Cash App at dollar sign campaign tv show via cash app is scrolling across the bottom and again we appreciate you all for joining us family and make sure that if you didn't watch this tonight man share it to a family member to a friend or somebody that you know who may uh want to uh, get tapped in on this who may be in the healthcare profession who want to be involved want to volunteer uh, let them know they can watch the replay via youtube and on uh facebook family so we appreciate everybody for tuning in tonight and we will see y'all in the next uh episode so uh and i, I don't want y'all to leave yet um student minister abdul haq and sister sajda because i want to talk okay. to y'all afterward all right Thank all right you. family so appreciate y'all peace and blessings assalamu alaikum any leadership that teaches you to depend upon another race is a leadership that will enslave you. Any leadership that teaches you to depend upon another race is a leadership that will enslave you. They gave leadership to our forefathers and that leadership made them slaves. But we have decided to find a leadership of our own. You know, you know. Not your average nigga, I'm a god out the hood. They came down, play me. I came up, I'm elevated. Elevated. I ain't got to say too much for them to know I'm coming for what's mine. You know they see me in my presence. Young, but you not just gonna finesse me like you did my people's name back when you said they was emancipated. This ain't that. Your head too big. You feeling yourself. The game wasn't fair. You had the advantage. We weren't educated. Ooh. I don't look at you people the same. Nah. Your worst nightmare. My skin tone about them chains. Yeah. Not no circus lions, son, son. I can't be tamed. Uh -huh. You gon' have to kill me, pussy. Toby ain't my name. Y'all still wanna stink our history started when we were slaves. What? Come on now.